And Eleanor's like, oh, no, I'm not capable. (laughs) Oh, me? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to season four. Wow, I can't believe a motherfucker made it to season four. We're still here. (laughs) We're still here, baby. (laughs) Try to kill me because you can't. Everyone who thought this was a phase, guess again because we're still going. (laughs) The old movies that racists can't come to the phone right now because it's season four. Which, funnily enough, is actually a reference that is in the movie yeah. that we did today. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Should we just get, should we come out with it? Yeah. Should we get out of the closet? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, why don't you tell the people? Today, we are doing the new iconic 2022 Netflix original classic, do revenge. Let me tell you, this movie has been circling the the seventh circle of hell in Patreon for months. Yes. It keeps almost making the cut, but not getting selected. People are getting distracted by like the shiny new additions in the poll. Ooh, bend it like Beckham. Ooh, Ooh. hairspray. Yeah. <laughs> but we are finally doing Do Revenge here on the main feed. We felt like it would be the perfect way to really set the tone for season four. Definitely. I've been meaning to see this movie for so long, so Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're covering it. It's truly like one of the newest teen movies. Like it feels very much in the canon of To All the Boys, Mm -hmm. Love, Simon. And it's super referential to the teen rom-com comedies of yore so yeah definitely we have so many references obviously we're not going to be able to like fit every single one into this podcast so before you go type it in our dms (laughs) being like actually you missed this one i promise you (laughs) we picked up on it um but i definitely i peppered a lot through the notes but we have references to like Mean Girls, to Clueless, to Jawbreakers, Mm -hmm. Heathers, Jennifer's Body, Cruel Intentions. Uh, There's even like a very subtle one that I don't know if it's a reference necessarily, but I think it feels to me like a reference to The Notebook. So if you want to see like a bunch of the visual references, I actually made a TikTok a couple months ago. I'll probably repost it on our story or maybe we'll repost it as a reel or something um, of all the, the visual references in the movie. But... Yeah, definitely a love letter to the teen movies of yore. Especially with Sarah Michelle Gellar just coming out the cut. Yeah, (laughs) that was an incredible get. Definitely. And I guess like there really isn't too much. Like we can't give you numbers because it didn't have a a theatrical release. But it definitely made waves just on like social media, in the zeitgeist. People really attach this movie. And I think it's because it is kind of ushering in that like I don't know if it's like a Zoomer era teen movies where there's a lot more freedom regarding like you know social topics and like gender and sexuality expression and that sort of thing um, that obviously wasn't like being talked about like it wasn't in the rhetoric with the 90s and early 2000s movies we just see even looking at our main cast of characters, like a much more diverse array of people. Mm-hmm. Well, also 
still acknowledging that almost everyone in this movie is insanely wealthy. <laughs> right, right. Which was also like, we'll talk about it when we get into it, but the conversation around wealth was interesting because of the power dynamic as well, like Drea being a scholarship student. Mm-hmm. But usually the scholarship student is the underdog who everyone's like rooting for. Yeah. And that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah. So very, very interesting. Lots of interesting dichotomies for sure. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I wanted to say is Alana Morsehead is the one who did costume design. Mm-hmm. Incredible work. <laughs> yeah. Obviously taking influence from movies like Clueless and Jawbreakers and amongst others, Mean Girls, and the costume design was just absolutely flawless. I loved what she did with the pastels at school and the stylization of the outfits like um, outside, even with just like at the the country club where Drea taught tennis. And like, mm-hmm. I just thought every single outfit was perfectly poised, um, which added to the overall like Mazen scene of the entire movie. Definitely, yeah. Because it doesn't feel like this movie is not a movie that takes itself super seriously. It's not really rooted mm-hmm. in reality. And I feel like that is really supported by the kind of over-the-top costuming. Right. Where right. it doesn't feel like these clothes specifically would be worn by teenagers today, but like the energy and the vibe of it is very much what is popular with Gen Z. Exactly. And I know that for the the school uniforms, she actually took uh, inspiration from like Korean school uniforms <gasps> oh, and then cute. like made everything in this pastel color palette Yeah. rather than looking at the way we've seen like other prep school uniforms in movies from the 90s. This was actually mm-hmm. borrowing from that, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I love that. It definitely looked super unique. Mm-hmm. And it also just sets the scene for when they're at school and you're like, okay, we're in a different realm. Yeah. Like with along with that, like kind of like fantasy version of what's real and what's fake. And um, it reminded me of Clueless and how they have those insane gym uniforms. Oh, my gosh. I love all the outfits in that scene. (laughs) It's so good. And like that definitely felt like obviously no one's going to wear that for gym. Like it's it's a part of the whole comedy of the movie. And that essence definitely showed itself in due revenge definitely because they're in the garden and they're wearing like a matching bucket hat with like a little frock and <laughs> yeah. it has butterflies on it and i'm like all right yeah. sure oh my gosh so good yeah we were saying before we started recording that we're gonna have to do adrea eleanor halloween costume situation yeah yeah well before we dive in uh we just want to remind you that out now on patreon is our hairspray episode we had a great time recording that (laughs) true that's me (laughs) so if you want to hear that and more of our musical stylings uh please head over to patreon and i guess we can also announce now that next month we will be doing Bend It Like Beckham. Oh, I'm so, so excited. So if you're interested, definitely check it out. It's $5 a month. We have a ton of cool perks. So the link is in the show notes and in our bio. And I guess with that being said, should we do revenge <laughs> into it? <laughs> should, we do, should we do? Should we do revenge? <laughs> yeah. Eee. Let's do it. So we start out with 
a jawbreakers reference off the bat we see the dumb bitch license plate <laughs> and we pull up to this insane party that's being hosted for Treya, where she's like being um commemorated in teen vogue's next gen list and i'm like sure okay you're famous <laughs> you're famous yeah that's how we start out um i just blew my snot everywhere so anyways Treya says in high school they say the best measure of success is the click you're in or the accolades you get but to her you can tell you've really reached the top when someone wants to destroy you and I'm like, I guess that's true, because if you're yeah. flying under the radar, no one cares. Mm-hmm. But these two girls are talking about how jealous they are of Treya because she's the Rose Hill student that made it onto the next gen list. And they gossip about how she's on scholarship and her best friend Tara paid for this entire party. And I'm like, that's a big party. Like This is thousands and thousands of doll hairs. <laughs> so many doll hairs <laughs> went into this party. Treya asks one of them if she's trying to diminish the hard work of a fellow woman of color. And I was like, Gen Z, Gen Z. <laughs> but I did I did think it was interesting how they said it, which is true. Like, I don't I don't know what ethnicity this girl is that was talking about it, but mm. obviously Camila Mendez is Hispanic, Latinx. I did think it was funny how she said it in a half serious, half joking way because it is one of those things where it's like now when now we're just like throwing the social currency of like being of color. A social currency thing, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Tara tells Drea she is at the peak of her powers tonight. And then they're approached by their friends Megan and Montana, who tell Drea that Allegra, the Instagram witch, is saying that Drea's outfit is thrifted. And I'm like, yeah. <gasps> That's Save the cool, environment. Though. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And also the actual <laughs> dress is based off of like a couture runway, um, like 90s dress. So like, yeah, go off. But Megan offers to push her in the pool or light her on fire. But they're like, no. Um, they tell their friend Elliot to kick her out of the party, which doesn't even end up happening. And then Drea tells us that her friends were born into this life while she had to DIY and she finally felt like she belonged and wouldn't let anyone take it from her. I'm just going to take a moment to let you, the listeners, know that currently as we record this, it is a long weekend here in Canada. And my next door neighbors feel like now is the appropriate time to shoot off a bunch of fireworks. So if you hear anything in the background, that's what it is. <laughs> They're setting off fireworks, roasting poutine on the grill. <laughs> yes, saying, as one hey. does. <laughs> And just chopping down a maple tree while they're at it. Drowning in syrup. (laughs) As we love to do. Um, So, Drea then gets up to make a toast, and she thanks everyone for coming. She thanks Tara for throwing this party. She's like, oh, actually, um, where's Allegra? Allegra? Oh, my gosh. Everybody, turn your cameras over at at Allegra. I actually want to let you know that we've been working on this really cool project together when she heard about my church's clothing drive, and she actually decided to pledge her entire wardrobe to low-income women in need. Everybody, give it up for Allegra. And Allegra's like, I'm going <laughs> to fucking kill you. 
but also isn't it so like tasty that the revenge in this moment is her giving up her clothes to like a church's clothing drive Mm -hmm. and like she can't get out of it because it's on social media yeah which is so like 2023 (laughs) absolutely so everyone is filming allegra and i think she like literally flips Drea off in the process. Yeah, she's like a little yeah. hair behind the ear. Andrea's like, love you, boo. So proud to know you. <laughs> so that's when Drea's boyfriend, Max, uh, played by Austin Abrams, you may remember him from Euphoria, mm-hmm. he shows up and he's like, sorry I'm late, babe. I was just putting the final touches on a surprise for you. Cue fireworks for drea and everyone's like wow so romantic and everybody raises a glass and drea and max share a kiss what a performance wow the girl who has everything what could go wrong we've never seen this before (laughs) i think i've seen this film before and i (laughs) didn't like the ending ending. (laughs) so okay Back to the movie. Yes. So Max and Drea are sitting in his car and he's like, oh, I can't believe we're going to be apart all summer. Like, who am I going to play with? Oh, it's such like, where's my hug energy? Ew! <laughs> Ew! I hate that shit. Ew! I hate that. Yeah, That's so true. The worst. <laughs> so Drea jokes that he can play with himself and... As he kisses her neck, she says tonight was fun, but she thinks the whole TV thing is stupid. She's like, I'm just trying to get into Yale. Okay, Rory Gilmore. (laughs) And he says those lists are bullshit, but she looked very hot in the video. Maybe she could send him a little video to keep him company this summer. And then he tells her he loves her. And as soon as he said that, I was like, (laughs) done. Mans is a snake. (laughs) Mans is a snake because no one prefaces the first I love you with send, send me a me sex porn. tape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Andrea's like, I love you. And they make out. Andrea, aren't you? Come on. I know. I mean, it's not her fault. It's, it's yeah. he's, he sucks. But. Yeah. He's, he's a manipulator for sure. We've all, we've all fallen for some dumb shit. Right. Sure. First stop, manipulation station. Mm-hmm. So that night, Drea goes home. She sets up a tripod and everything. <laughs> She's like, I already have a ring light. <laughs> yeah. she. It's the generation of TikTok. So she makes a little video for Max. He's in bed, like literally just watching her Teen Vogue video when he gets the Snapchat mm-hmm. from her. And he has this little smile on his face. And we already know where this is going. So next day at school, everyone is like glaring at Drea and whispering about her. And that's when Tara looks at her phone to see that the video Drea made for Max has circulated around the whole school. Dude, that's so crazy. Literally horrendous. Also illegal. Like you're, this is revenge porn. She's underage. And yeah. yeah, And it's also child pornography. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes up to Max, but he's like, oh, don't worry. I'm already on the phone with my dad's lawyer. And she's like, how could you do this to me? I have a real uh, Gen Zer in the room that I can ask. Josh, was it a common thing for people to have like um, 
like those videos leaked and stuff or like did guys like show each other like the videos that they had received and stuff like that oh yeah oh my gosh oh, yeah. horrifying yeah it was a big problem i was gonna say like they people like there was like a market for them um josh a get market? on the mic <laughs> josh get up the mic is hot josh <laughs> If, if any of you didn't hear my soft-spoken boyfriend, he said that there was, like, a market. What do you mean a market? <gasps> he said people would collect videos of, oh like, pictures and – or videos? Or pictures. pictures of people's private oh photos. Oh, my God. What I know, I know. He's, he's saying, I did not do that. Um <laughs> But was it like an app where it was like here are locked photos or something or just like on the phone? On your, on your phone. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's crazy because oh I remember gosh. talking to Monica's younger sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really revealing that I'm like a cougar right now. Um, <laughs> but I remember talking to Monica's younger sister and her being like, yeah, in high school, people would have like a locked file or something of like all of these like sex tapes. Yeah, I had a, it was like a calculator app, but if you enter a certain number, you, you have a secret. Oh, my God. He's saying that there was a calculator app, but it was actually like a secret app where you like enter in a number of code or something, and then you could see all of the pictures and shit that you'd collected. Th- this is exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, yeah. we did not – like, if you got sent something or mm. whatever, like, that was one thing, like, for a picture to be leaked, but, like – I don't even remember any videos being like no because the you have like five megapixels like <laughs> I don't even like yeah it's yeah. crazy the closest crazy. thing that I can think of to that when I was in high school is that the guys in my friend group I was told by so one of my friends her boyfriend was like in like the the guy yeah. part of my friend group and he told us that like the guys had this like hard drive just full of porn mm-hmm. and that that but that stuff was on, already on the like yeah like it was it you know professional yeah yeah not like that's people so that we crazy. knew but that's so crazy yeah that's awful to just have that like collection and be like beep 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 horrendous yeah that's insane but like now i guess it's just like constant exchange of information right which is yeah. terrifying everything is on social media so like why not right nothing ever too. dies yeah and i'm like the digital footprint can never be erased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so shit is fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> just to sum up. <laughs> Can't wait for you to edit that out and, like, just to get in the good part. Oh, I will. I will. So, yeah, she, she goes up to Max. She's like, I can't believe you would do this to me. Like, I can't believe you would send this out to everybody. And he's like, what? No, I didn't. Like, I got hacked. And she doesn't believe him, obviously. <laughs> look at him (laughs) so he's like come on drea i would never do this to you i love you and she just (laughs) decks him in the face (laughs) i love you pop pop (laughs) and i do it again (laughs) so i don't know why the mta doesn't shut down while i record (laughs) so headmaster Sarah Michelle Geller calls Drea into her office, and Drea's like, this is bullshit. She's icing her hand, so she, like, went in, yeah. but... She put her weight behind it, as you should. Right. She said, I'm going <laughs> to step forward with the opposite leg, and Sarah Michelle Geller is like, you should have just come to me when you saw the video, and Drea's like, oh, so this is my fault? 
And she's like, no, but it is your fault, like, the way you handled it. And she tells Drea that her peers have the luxury of operating on impulse, but she doesn't, and she can only get ahead by being smarter. Yeah, that is a really tough lesson to learn, especially Mm -hmm. at such a young age, because although what happened to her is disgusting and, Mm -hmm. like, unforgivable, now that she's punched someone and everyone saw it, and I'm sure someone recorded it, like, it's just all out there, and she has a scholarship if she has, like, another altercation, they'll have to revoke her scholarship. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing that she would be able to do to get around that. Yeah, especially because it's, like, the golden boy of Rose Hill. Exactly. Like, yeah. So she tells Drea to channel her anger into getting what she wants. So we go to Drea's house. It's, like, much more modest and normal. Mm-hmm. She still has a huge to, room. Yeah, it's still, like, a very nice mm-hmm. home. Like, her mom is a nurse. Like, she has a a good job but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's when drea gets a phone call from tara who's like yeah like max never would have done that to you like i really don't think he leaked the video and punching him really put all of us in a weird spot because he's like family so i think we just all need the summer to like process it and drea's just like (laughs) okay so She says in her voiceover, so much for believing women. My life went up in flames and there was nothing I could do. And if I went after Max, then I'd lose my future. Again, interesting, like, the believing woman Mm -hmm. rhetoric, like, being worked in. Yeah. That's all. Definitely. So she, you know, keeps asking herself why he would do this to her and says that looking back, it was a classic Icarus story. But she needed to channel her anger and that's exactly what she did. Peaking in high school is cringe anyway. True. And then Brutal by Olivia (laughs) Rodrigo starts, which was some excellent musical supervision. I love the musical choices in this movie are chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. So we get the title card as we zoom into a grand turissimo. Oh, I didn't even know that's what the car was called. Very cool. Eleanor, played by... The one and only Maya Hawk, daughter to Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two hot forces joined together to make the coolest, most aloof girl yeah. of uh, 2022. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And Eleanor is on the phone with her mom, and she's like, "I'm going to go to tennis camp this summer." And her mom is like ecstatic because she is a bit of a layabout and a little lost in life so she's like yeah do something instructive i love it and eleanor says it took her 45 minutes to realize this was a mistake as she reads strangers on a train Mm. a little hint hint at inspo for this movie yeah at the tennis club And she says it wasn't a waste, though, because her entire life was about to change. And it was because of Drea, the tennis pro. And at this moment, I'm like, if they don't end up together, I'll be angry. (laughs) And were you angry? (laughs) No, because it was was okay. But I did. I still want them to end up together, maybe in real life. Their chemistry is so palpable like incredible casting and we've talked a lot about this just how in like movies these days in general we're just not seeing the same chemistry yeah but this is an example of where they really got it right definitely and uh 
it does remind me of Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox in mm. Jennifer's body. Definitely, definitely. So we go into the bathroom at the tennis club. Eleanor is in there when she overhears the one and only Sophie Turner in the tiniest part where she steals the scene every time she's on screen. She is so good at this, especially in a later scene that we will see soon. <laughs> so she plays Erica and she's talking to her friend about the Drea video and like, oh my God, how embarrassing that she has to have a summer job. She's like our age. And Eleanor is just like fully looking at them as they're standing next to her. And Erica is like, are you listening to us? Like, you just have a really weird energy that I don't know what to do with. You have a really weird energy. (laughs) I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) Eleanor tells us that her therapist says that hurt people hurt people, but she doesn't think that applies to teenage girls. Sometimes they're just evil. Yes. So Eleanor goes up to Drea, who's sitting at one of the patio tables, and says it was Erica that showed everyone the video of her, like she sucks. And Andrea asks who she is, and she's like, I don't need your pity. This is when they play the ska song. Yeah, so they play um, the song by the Mighty Mighty Bostones, which was the ska band in Clueless in that scene where they go to that huge party. Mm-hmm. So really setting the tone. And then we cut to Erica and her friend getting kicked out of camp for having cocaine. And she – do you want to do this line? <laughs> I feel like you could really kill it. She's like, this is insane. I don't even do cocaine. Drea, you insufferable cunt. I know you did this. She framed me. And then Drea just goes, oh, sweetie, are you listening to yourself right now? You think I framed you? Babe, are you on drugs right now? I don't do cocaine. She doesn't even know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like. Like She goes (laughs) fucking Balls to the wall for this tiny bit part. It's so good the way that she's screaming at her. She's also like bent over halfway because she is so tall and slender. And she's like, yeah, immediately gets dragged off by security. Drea's like, take care. So sad. I really hope she gets the help she needs. Pray for Erica. This was one of the scenes that went, like, super viral after the movie came out because it's just, like, so good. I would love to be an actress like Sophie Turner where, like, you put in the time, you did Game of Thrones, like, you worked hard. Then you're like, let me just show up for, like, a little bit part and, like, steal the whole movie. She has a baby. (laughs) Yeah. Just two? And she's married to a Jonas brother (laughs) and she's our age. That's the craziest part. Like, I could have been... If I was a famous actress, six feet tall, mm-hmm. British, I could have been married to a Jonas <laughs> brother. No. I want to be married to Nick, so I'd have to be 20 years older. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, I always thought I never had a chance with Joe because I was too young. Little did I know. Little did we <laughs> fucking know, bro. Little did we fucking know those little like Bermuda short outfits that we would wear to the concerts. Yeah. That could have pulled. That could have pulled. <laughs> But you know what? Good for you, Sophie Turner. Nothing but yeah. respect. You you did what we all wanted, and I can't hit on respect you for that. Respect to the queen, yeah. <laughs> so after tennis camp has ended, Drea, in this, like, amazing outfit, she's wearing this, like, hot pink, 
like shirt that has a cutout in the middle and these big like chunky earrings and a ponytail. Mm-hmm. She looks incredible. And she's trying to leave, but her engine is stalled in her car. And so mm. Eleanor sitting in her cool little car next door is like, hey, do you want a ride? Like I can help you out. So Drea does take the ride. And as they're driving, Eleanor tells Drea that she didn't watch the video and asks if it was her ex that leaked it, like she heard about the punch and everything. And Drea asks how she would even know that. And Eleanor says she's actually transferring to Rose Hill and she saw a post about it. So she asks, like, what happened to Max? Did he have any consequences? And Drea says, no, nothing. Classic. Mm-hmm. So Eleanor says that she knows what it's like to get screwed over by someone she thought she could trust. And she tells this story about how when she was 13, she went to this day camp and there was this girl that she met there that she had a crush on. And at the time, she wasn't out of the closet yet, but she knew she liked girls. And she explains that, you know, she felt like if this girl had liked her back, it would validate her existence. And they talked and it was great. And she made her feel really confident and safe. So she ended up telling this girl that she was queer. And like, it was amazing. It was a great moment. But then the girl told everybody at camp that she tried to hold her down and kiss her. Whoa. Yeah. So Drea is shocked and is like, oh my god, that's so fucked up. And Eleanor is like, yeah, I I didn't care that she outed me. It was more so that she turned me into a predator and it, like, destroyed me. She actually goes to Rose Hill. And Drea's like, oh my god, who is it? Eleanor looks a little surprised, which is something we want to keep in our back pocket for later. This could be a clue later. (laughs) And she says... It's Carissa Jones. Mm. And Drea's like, damn, outed by your own team? That's horrible. And then Eleanor just starts screaming, like an absolute guttural scream. (sighs) And she explains that sometimes it helps. You know, you should try it. It's called a primal scream. It's recommended by medical professionals. And Drea's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. And then she busts out into this, like, huge primal scream. And they both start laughing. And Eleanor's like, Mm -hmm. You look like you could use a grilled cheese. Let's go get a grilled cheese. Uh, I could use a grilled cheese. Love a grilled cheese. So they go to a cafe and um, Eleanor asks Drea why she doesn't just transfer to a different school. But Drea's like, my mom is a nurse who spent her whole life just working her ass off. And Rose Hill is my only path to Yale. So like it's giving Gilmore girlies Mm. except no rich um, granddaddy, grandmommy. Yeah, no safety net there. Right. And Eleanor asks about her friends. <laughs> I saw a TikTok recently. So it's such a quick interjection. interjection. I saw a TikTok recently that was like, <laughs> Lorelai asks her parents for just so much money to put Rory through Chilton, and all she asks in return is to go to dinner once a week at her, her house. And she can't even do that. She's like, uh, I think it's a something free like dinner, fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, that makes sense for uh, Connecticut. Yeah, elite for two was it two three years? I don't know. She's sixteen. She's fifteen, turning sixteen. So like potentially part of sophomore year, junior and senior year. Yeah, I think year. part of sophomore year. Yeah, and then they also pay for Yale too. So mm-hmm. they are forking out hundreds of thousands of dollars. For sure. And all they ask is, you come over and we will also give you dinner 
we just need the pleasure of your company for like two, three hours a week. And she's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <sighs> anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, so she's like, can't transfer. And Eleanor asks about her friends, but Treya says that they're really Max's friends and she didn't realize just how powerful he is because he makes you feel safe, but it's all conditional. And Treya asks why Eleanor would want to go to the same school as Carissa, but Eleanor says she begged to go elsewhere, but her parents think Rose Hill is the best path to an ivy. There we go. Mm-hmm. So we then cut to fall, and we see that Eleanor is at her first day at Rose Hill when she is randomly approached by the student, Gabby, who introduced herself and offers Eleanor a tour. And Eleanor is like, oh, my God, yeah, as a disciple of the 90s teen movie, I'd be offended if I didn't get a tour. So we have a very Mean Girls reference where she's pointing out the different cliques. Uh, This is also a reference to Clueless as well when they show, like, Ty, all the different cliques too. Right. And she points out the Instagram witches, the horny theater kids called out. Um, (laughs) I know. I was like, eek. The farm kids led by Carissa, and we see some intense eye contact. And then Rose Hill's royal court. So we see Tara, Montana, Megan, and Elliot sitting on this fountain. Also very um, clueless, referential with like them sitting in front of the fountain, as well as Scream when they're all actually sitting in front of that fountain. Yeah. And Gabby says to be careful. They're as calculated as they are beautiful. And then she points out Drea, their fallen queen. Cut to Drea going up to her friends Mm. at the fountain where Tara is basically like, yeah, so Max's dad is funding my dad's re-election campaign. It's so complicated. Oh, my god! Can't be friends, exactly. This reminded me so much of a family. I think I maybe have told this story on the podcast before, but like, I used to babysit for this wealthy family and mm-hmm. the son was really upset one day because one of his friends was like bullying him and not letting him join in with like games and stuff at recess and he was really upset by it. And so he ended up like calling his dad because he was really upset and wanted to talk about it. And his dad was on a business trip and the dad was basically like, oh, no, like you need to be friends with this person because mom and mommy and daddy are friends with like his daddy and he's very important for like our business. So you need to apologize even though this like seven or eight year old didn't fucking do anything was being bullied and the dad's like no you need to like make up with this bully damn i'm like who is the bully's family right that's what i want to know right like so important that you can't be like hey that was messed up yeah crazy just like a whole other life echelon i can't understand Mm -hmm. So Max walks up and asks how Drea's summer was, and he's like, I wasn't sure you'd be back after what happened. I'm like, that's something to say. Mm -hmm. And Drea's like, yeah, I'm not going to let a silly video stand between me and Yale. And Max is like, yeah, I just hope we can move on and be civil this year, especially now that me and Tara are dating. (laughs) So Drea has to play it off like she knew that this was happening and it's like, yeah, your father's must be elated. And she's like, okay, gotta go. So nice catching up. <laughs> and just turns to Montana and she's like, baby of grapes in your teeth. Bye. 
<laughs> so Eleanor watches Drea walk away and says that feeling alone is a specific type of pain and her and Drea were one in the same. Mm. So we go to the assembly. Eleanor is trying to find a seat. <laughs> and she like asks this girl, like, oh, do we have assigned seats or sit anywhere? And the girl just ignores her. And she's like, okay, I'll just go fuck myself then. <laughs> Keeps on walking. And that's when Carissa comes over calling her Nora. And Eleanor is like, um, actually, it's Eleanor now. Got to go. Bye. Don't want to talk to you. And as she does this, like Drea notices this interaction. Meanwhile, Tara and her friends are talking about how shocking it is that Drea came back. And that is when senior class president Max gets up to speak. And he says that last year his privacy was violated and it made him realize <sighs> that actually Drea, Drea Torres, could you please stand? Drea, where are you? And so Drea stands up and Max says, I'm so sorry for what happened to you last year. And to anyone who shared that video, you should reflect on that. <laughs> and then he oh, says God. that it's in Drea's honor that he's founded a new club, the Cis Hetero Men Champion. <laughs> can't even say. I can't even say with a straight face. <laughs> Championing Female Identifying Students League. And then he says, the allies, and holds up his fist. Ally. <laughs> oh, my God. It's um the way that the NYU boys would have eaten this club absolutely. up. Absolutely. <laughs> they would have been the first to sign up. They would have said, um, this is hetero men championing female identifying students league. Yeah, I I'm a member. So. I think so. <laughs> it's I so, think so. It's so funny to me just, like, seeing the way that, like, this movie has adapted, you know, the teen movies of yore for the times, especially in the presentation right. of Max, who is, like, the most popular guy in school, the most coveted, like, everybody wants to date him, everyone wants to be friends with him, but he's so different to, like, the traditional popular guy that we saw in, oh, like, right. the he's movies no in the Noah 90s. Centineo. No. He's not, like, a masculine uh, jock type. He's, mm -hmm. like, I have photographed things. Like, he's wearing a camera when we first see him. He has his film camera, very Cole Sprouse-esque. Yeah. He also has, like, painted fingernails, and he wears a lot of, like, rings and earrings and accessories, and he has more of, like, mm -hmm. an effeminate look to him, very much, you know, Harry Styles, Timothy Chalamet right. kind of look. Um, so yeah. it's definitely interesting to see how, like, romantic leads in movies reflect the um, the beauty standard and the tastes of the time. Definitely. And it's also – I love that they did this club bit because mm -hmm. they're not making fun of – like female identifying students, no. or it's be it, they're making fun of like white guys who think they're doing something, yeah, who are like co opting a movement for their own social capital. Exactly, it's the I love what they do in this movie with like the social capital and kind of like the oppression Olympics, mm -hmm. making fun of that. And I think it's just like a really tasteful way to be like. Yeah, these are all good things, but they can be co-opted in such exactly. a negative fashion. Yeah. So we go to the bathroom where Drea has run off to, followed by Eleanor. And Drea says she doesn't know how she's going to survive senior year. And Eleanor empathizes with her. And 
is just like, uh, even talking to Carissa for a minute was awful. And she's like, I wish we could just hire people to, you know, take them down like a fucked up task rabbit. Someone just completely unconnected to them. And then Drea's like, I've got it. <laughs> um, we should team up and do each other's revenge. And Eleanor's like, oh, no, I'm oh, not me? capable. <laughs> oh, me? Is do revenge even correct grammar? She says that. Yeah, she's That's like, so I can't funny. do revenge. Is do revenge even correct grammar? <laughs> so Drea is like, don't worry, we won't get caught because nobody knows that we even know each other. And don't you want to make Carissa pay? And Eleanor is like, I don't need to make her pay. I want her to burn to the ground. <laughs> and there's like a little bit that they do where she's like, oh, you have Glenn close energy. You're giving Glenergy. <laughs> and it's a very – that's also so, like, queer-coded because, obviously, mm-hmm. Glenn Close, iconic lesbian. And Drea says if they're going to make this work, then they have to do a makeover. And she's like, oh, it's so problematic. And she's like, I know, but it's fun. <laughs> Beautiful little line. So yeah. So we go into this, like, makeover montage moment, again, very Clueless-esque, and Drea says that it's going to be easy to take down Carissa because it's always easier destroying a girl. You can just slut-shame them. You can turn them, like, her friends against each other. Mm-hmm. You can expose her secrets. Like, if you just make her radioactive, nobody will help her. Ugh. And since Drea has her mandated community service, she requested to work on the farm so she can get closer to Carissa. I don't know if we explained what the farm is, but it's just, like, the garden at the school where they the, grow, uh, insanely like, Insanely big garden, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This campus is massive. Yeah. And as, you know, Eleanor is getting new clothes, she's getting her hair cut and dyed. Drea says that dudes are a lot harder because they have no shame and they're allowed to be angry. So, like, getting Mm -hmm. to them is going to be tricky. And Max is, quote, the ultimate manic pixie dream boy so he can get away with anything. Right. And to expose him, they need undeniable proof that he's a hypocrite fake woke misogynist motherfucker <laughs> so <laughs> it also feels very like john tucker must die oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah especially i mean it'll unfold as they try mm. to get revenge on him but yeah there's another detail that is extremely john tucker coded yeah we also have like a ton of other clueless references in this one the most specific one though is the lip blot on the tissue mm-hmm. moment. So Drea says that now Eleanor is going to be the coolest, most mysterious student at Rose Hill. And her new vibe is high status cunt, which <laughs> incredible. <laughs> so Eleanor is nervous, but Drea says that sometimes you have to pretend to be someone else to get what you want. And Eleanor is worried that Max is going to catch on. But Drea says, don't worry narcissists are too busy thinking about themselves to realize they're getting played yes i love this little makeover too because Mm -hmm. they make maya hawk who is like again a slender tall model-esque lady Mm -hmm. like they make her so frumpy in the beginning (laughs) yeah it's the stringy hair at the start that that drags her down (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. just put a stringy little wig on at someone and 
suddenly they're a totally different person. Yeah. I do also like, though, that in this makeover, like, they don't just make her look like Drea. Their fashion still stays very, very distinct. Yeah. Like, Drea has a lot more, like, structure to her pieces. It is, like, a lot closer to, like, Cher's wardrobe. It is more 90s, whereas with Eleanor's wardrobe, it's very, it's a lot of, like, 60s silhouettes, actually. Like, she wears a lot of shift dresses or, like, the fun retro patterns and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, even though it's elevated, it's still, you know, Eleanor, just a higher, I don't know, higher fashion version, I guess. Right. I feel like they're... Um, out wardrobes too are so like to their body types like mm-hmm. the kibby body types yeah because Maya Hawk has a more pillar like she has a lot of length and she's more rigid but like Camila Mendez is curvier and she's shorter but they're both like mm-hmm. incredibly gorgeous and like everything they wear just looks perfectly tailored to them yeah definitely so Eleanor says getting a girl's attention requires weeks, if not months of work, but according to Drea, getting a guy's attention requires you walking past them once, looking (laughs) vaguely slutty, and (laughs) Max just falls right into that trap. So meanwhile, Drea heads to her first day on the farm and tries to just kiss Carissa's ass, but Carissa does not want to hear it, and she's like, Flattery won't get you anywhere. It's honest work. So meanwhile, Eleanor is approached by Max and follows Drea's advice that the only thing she can say is cool and she can only say it three times. So he's like, what's up? What are you reading? He's like, or she's, I don't know. He's like asking her questions. She's just like, cool, cool. And he's like, is all you can say cool? And she's like, very cool. Yeah. Puts a book back <laughs> up. And he's like, whoa. Wow. I'm in love. Yeah. This actually reminded me of, um, I don't think it's a reference to this, but it made me think about Aquamarine, where it's like, oh, count to three before you answer type of thing. Wait, is that from yeah. Aquamarine? What's that from? No, it's from John Tucker Must Die, when it's like, <gasps> oh, count yeah. to three before you answer him. And then just like, oh, yeah. she's counting too slow. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, meanwhile, Drea is working on the farm, and she talks to Russ. Oh, alt boy. Yeah, (laughs) a little blue-haired man, about how Carissa is cooking the ring ceremony dinner, which is a very big deal because, like, apparently she's an aspiring chef, and she's, like, premiering this menu. Mm -hmm. And then Drea notices her, like, going into a greenhouse that has a fucking padlock on it. Um, Russ is like, oh, yeah, that's where she grows, you know, special crops mm. that she gets flown in. And I'm like, what? <laughs> the students and have no too one much else power. See, yeah. <laughs> Give the power back to the corporations now. <laughs> so Max approaches Eleanor again and he's like, who are you texting? And uh, this is like such a like bisexual line that she has she's like oh my ex-girlfriend is mad that i hooked up with her ex-boyfriend and it's just like he's like drooling he's like i'm he's foaming at the mouth i'm sold so max asks for her hand and writes his number on it because he's having a pre-homecoming party this weekend Ooh. so it's time for the party prep 
Drea dresses Eleanor in this like cute little high waisted bikini moment with this like oh, yeah. shawl cover up situation. It's very chic, very cool. And Eleanor isn't really sure about the fit, but Drea says it's perfect. Like, she looks hot, but it's effortless. Like, it took her one minute to get dressed. And, like, she needs all the girls to, like, covet her look. That's going to be her way in. Her little currency. Yes. And Eleanor says she's never worn a swimsuit in public. And Drea's like, damn, Carissa really did a number on you. But, like, forget about her. You're so much cooler than anybody else who's going to be at that party. So Drea then gives an update on the Carissa situation and theorizes that she might be growing something suspicious in that locked greenhouse. Mm. So they go to the party where Eleanor is like, what the fuck? It's like <laughs> – It's huge. This house again, is huge. I really – I'm trying to think if I've ever been to like an insane party like this. But I really don't think I have. Like there are – I remember going to a party that a, a guy had with like an in-ground pool, but mm. the house is like not not like this. I've never been to like a, a party at a house like this before, but I did go to a party of I'm gonna beep out the name. <gasps> yeah, that's the that is the house that yeah like that uh three-story penthouse in manhattan with the terrace with the and terrace. sculptures like actual like mm -hmm. art that people pay so much money for yeah and that was crazy was i invited to that party no <laughs> did i go anyways with other people was i invited to that party <laughs> did we just glob on we glommed I mean, on you didn't really know us i'll bleep out this name again because i don't want to dox anybody <laughs> on the pod <laughs> was invited and we went with him. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I remember, <laughs> beep out this name. I remember talking to and his boyfriend. And his boyfriend was, or is, I don't know, I don't, I'm assuming he still is an artist and was like, mm. that picture is worth like $100,000. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. But I whoa. just remember this, the contemporary <laughs> sculpture in like the foyer area. And I was like, oh, yeah. What the fuck are we doing here? Like, and we we only saw like two of the the floors that they had because there was the whole other floor right. that his parents lived on. I also went to a party in New York once with beep this name out. Mm -hmm. Similar like multiple story, mm -hmm. big, you know, New York like Upper East Side shit. Yeah, in the backyard, they had a turfed backyard area. With a playscape, because I guess, like, there was, like, a kid, mm. like, someone was, um like, a teenager, or, like, early 20s, something like our age. Yeah. And also a fucking child who they weren't <laughs> home. The parents and the child weren't home, but. Yeah. Yeah, they had a turfed out playscape backyard and more space. Like, it was a whole backyard. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's insane. How the other half lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fire. Uh, meanwhile, Drea runs into Russ at the beach and she teases him about his Peace Corps summer program shirt. And it turns Whoa. out he's here with Carissa, who is not happy to see Drea. And Russ is like, no, she doesn't hate you, but she just thinks you don't care about the farm. And Drea's like, what? Those root veggies are my babies now. They have like a little banter. 
He's like, oh, I hate to break it to you. I hate. I ate your babies the ate other day. <laughs> He's like, well, it was so nice seeing you outside of the farm. Mm. And Treya thinks about how their chemistry was kind of spicy, but she had a job to do. And then she uses her binoculars to spot the farm keys on Chris's bag. I think she's she says something like pretty salacious. I think she's talking about like how hot their chemistry was, and it's like good thing I was sitting on a towel. It's <laughs> like oh yes, my God. <laughs> yes, she does. I was like, oh my, what what is this rate? Is this rated R? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you were just talking about vegetables, but go off, Queen. I love it. So. Back at Max's party, Eleanor goes into the kitchen where Gabby is hanging out. Oh, my God. Turns out she's Max's sister. And the funniest thing is we never actually see Gabby and Max interact in this movie. The closest we get is, like, she asks him a question and he doesn't answer. That's the only time we even see them in a scene together and they're not even in the same shot. Honestly, I don't think they even needed to be siblings. I feel like it's such a yeah. a non-issue to the plot. I think they just did it so they could have her in convenient spaces when they needed. That makes sense. Because I think it would have been hard to like roll in mm-hmm. another plot of her like meeting someone and them hanging right. out. And like, also – oh, God. Right, because like it doesn't seem like Gabby would attend this party by her That's own volition. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah exactly. But as they're talking, like, Gabby is sitting on the counter with her two little buns, and there's a lot of tension between the two, and Gabby comments on Eleanor's new look, and Eleanor is like, oh, do you not like it? And Gabby's like, no, I think it's hot, as long as you did it for yourself and not for them. Eh. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> so... <laughs> Eleanor is like, oh, do you think I'm like that? And Gabby says, I don't know. But that's the fun about getting to know someone. You're a mystery until you're not. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to go hole up in the screening room and watch a Godard film. Do you want to come? And I'm like, you are your brother's (laughs) sister in this moment. (laughs) But unfortunately, Eleanor does have a job to do. So she must stay at the party. But there's this really cute moment where after Gabby walks away, she's like, have fun. Like, enjoy the cool kids. And then Eleanor just kind of like smiles to herself and is like, fuck. And it's very cute. Mm -hmm. So upstairs, Eleanor takes the elevator, the elevator, elevator (laughs) to Max's room and starts snooping about. And she finds his iPad with texts from the Instagram witch, (gasps) Allegra. Turns out they're hooking up. Oh my God. But then the elevator dings and Max and Tara come into the room. So she hides behind the bathroom door and they start making out on the bed. And Tara does express remorse for not having Drea at the party. And she's like, isn't it kind of weird, Drea not being here? And Max tells her that it feels weird that they're talking about his ex right now as they're about to have sex. And Tara's like, well, she was like my best friend too. Then why are you dating her ex-boyfriend? That's a great question. (laughs) And She's like, also, we're not having sex. You can go fuck yourself and walks away. So Max then goes over to the mirror to check his hair and he hears the bathroom door creak and he looks in the mirror. Of course, he sees Eleanor and I'm like, I would be mortified. Yeah, I would end it. <laughs> I would end <laughs> <Movie's> everything. <laughs> over. 
So she apologizes and she's like, sorry, I was already in here and you came in. And he's like, I know what you were doing. Like, I'd hide from this party too if I could. And I'm like, mm. you threw the party. <laughs> what? He's such a poser he, in every possible way. He loves the attention, though. It's like, loves I it. know that you're enjoying yourself. It really is so funny how, like, obviously this movie came out before that Cole Sprouse Call Her Daddy episode. <laughs> but it is so funny how that. similar they are. I have to watch that because I've been I've seen it, like, memefied just so yeah. much. I haven't seen the actual episode, but I've seen so many excerpts that I feel like I have. Right, right. <laughs> so, but they are one in the same for sure. Yeah, it definitely feels – I mean, I guess you couldn't have done it because it would already have been Shaw, but it does feel like poised around that. Mm-hmm, for sure. He then like grabs Eleanor's hand. He's like, come on, I have to show you a cool spot. So they sit at this like secluded patio away from everyone else that looks extremely gorgeous as they're looking at the, the fucking ocean. And Eleanor is like, tell me something that nobody knows about you. And he says, why would I do that? And she says, because I'm interesting and you want to impress me. And he says, well, the truth is, I don't want any of this, you know? I just want to blow up my whole life and backpack across Europe with my camera. You know, all this shit is so performative. And for what? So I can be the most popular guy in high school? And she's like, well, what do you want to be? And he says, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, you're right. We are all just performing. Oh, God. (laughs) We are all just performing. Life's a stage and we're the actors. (laughs) It's like so annoying. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. He's so full of shit. I can't deal with it. I know, he sucks. Every time I see Austin Abrams, I'm also just like, oh, you're playing the mom from Euphoria in, like, Lexi's play. (laughs) That is the most memorable performance I've seen him do. And I've seen him in This Is Us. I've seen him in this. Like, Mm. and I just, I loved his performance in Lexi's play. Yeah. It is. No, he he so went good. he really went balls to the wall. Like he put his his whole abrusy into whole that bussy, yeah. <laughs> into that performance. His whole abrusy. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah. But I, I do wanna like commend Austin Abrams for his performance in this movie. I think he's very oh, yeah, good. He's, great. he's really good in he's this. He's great. I think he's definitely uh he's gonna be like on the radar for a long time. Yeah, so. I think he's so well suited for comedy. I would love to see him lean mm-hmm. into it a little more. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, meanwhile, Drea is sitting in just a gorgeous restaurant. Beautiful. Every set of this movie is is gorgeous. Yeah. And she gets a text from Eleanor that she got some dirt on Max, and Drea shows us that she was able to steal Carissa's keys. So Mm. they've got the poop on the robot and they're (laughs) ready for step two. Yeah. So we go to the farm. Andrea and Eleanor go into school over the weekend to break into the greenhouse. Andrea asks her about the party and Eleanor's like, oh, it was fun. You know, she starts talking about a boomerang that she got of her, (laughs) like jumping in the pool and Drea throws her phone on the ground. Well, yeah, because Drea's like, oh, my God, really? Can I see it? And she's like, yeah, here it is. And then she's like throws her phone on the ground. And is like, 
You're not there to get social content. You're trying to do a plan. <laughs> I enjoyed it, so I included it in bit. the notes. That's a really funny bit. Oh, my gosh. So Eleanor tells her the tea that Max is cheating with Allegra. And I'm also like, maybe you could have prefaced that a little softer because they were dating. Because he was absolutely doing that while they were still dating. <laughs> Certainly. So Drea is thrilled with Eleanor's work and asks for some screenshots. And then they open the greenhouse door to see that Carissa is in fact growing weed and magic mushrooms. And I'm like fucking bold to be doing this at school. Yeah. So Drea's plan is to put the mushrooms in Carissa's dish for the ring ceremony dinner and expose her while everyone is tripping balls. They can get the screenshots from Max's phone. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. So Mm -hmm. two birds, one stone. Next thing we know, it's winter and it is time for the ring ceremony dinner. Lots of time passes in this movie. This movie spans the whole year because it goes from spring to spring. Yeah. It is the ceremony dinner. They're in these like gorgeous white tents with these long dinner tables. Everybody is wearing white and Max gets up to do his speech. He welcomes the seniors As he's doing this, Drea sneaks into the kitchen to throw the mushrooms in the cassoulet that Carissa has prepared. She then goes and sits down at her table next to Russ, and they're both like, hey, you look really good. Oh my god, you look really good too. So things are are developing between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Later on in the bathroom, Eleanor and Drea meet up, and Eleanor is worried that the soup isn't working. But Drea reassures her that it'll kick in. And then they hear Tara and the girlies come in. So they hide in the stall. They are definitely on mushrooms. They're feeling Mm -hmm. the effects kick in. Uh, One of the girls is like vomiting and it is uh, about to be a shit show. So then we get a cover of Kids in America, another Clueless reference. We see Drea and Eleanor go back into the dinner where everybody is just high out of their minds. Like kids are in the fountain. They're driving golf carts around. We have a little reference to the craft where like the Instagram witches are trying to do light as a feather, stiff as a board in the middle (laughs) of the tent. And then we see the headmaster, Sarah Michelle Geller go into the kitchen where she finds a giant mushroom in the soup. It's very comical how (laughs) she like ladles out the mushroom. Yeah. Eleanor then finds Max in the fetal position under a table worried about spiders. And she's like, oh my God, Max, there are spiders all over your phone. So he throws it. She snags it and heads to the library with Drea where they download all of the info and from the library windows, they watch as the headmaster goes into the greenhouse. They cut that lock and they find Carissa's stash. <gasps> Turns out Drea anonymously tipped her off and she says, it's called double assurance, sweetheart. And we also learned that both Drea and um, Eleanor are high on shrooms at this point. <laughs> so... So Eleanor and Drea have a sleepover, and Eleanor says she knows it's bad, but watching Carissa get escorted away was the best moment of her life. And she thanks Drea for what she did, and then changes the subject and says that 
Drea's house is really cozy. And Drea's like, oh, that's what people say when they mean it's like small. And she tells her that she used to be really worried about her old friends seeing her house. But Eleanor says her instincts were right. And Drea asked to see Max's texts. So Eleanor pulls out her laptop and we see that he has been cheating with a girl on every click at school for years. So very much John Tucker must die. Mm -hmm. And Drea is also really hurt and sheds some tears because she sees texts like she knows that he was cheating on her. And Eleanor says if they expose the text, then everyone will know that he did this to her. And Drea says, good, then he'll look even worse. And she suggests they do it on Valentine's Day for the drama, but Eleanor sees how hurt she is, and she tells Drea that she doesn't have to be brave with her. This sucks. And Drea's like, yeah, it does suck, and cries even more. This is like a very tender moment between Mm -hmm. them, and Drea asks Eleanor if she'll feel better after they accomplish this because she's just so angry all the time and it's like there's just always been this knot in her chest and every time she can feel it getting tighter and stronger and it's choking her sometimes it just hurts to exist and she wants to feel normal again so Eleanor says she gets exactly what she means and the girls cuddle together while Eleanor plays with Drea's hair and at this point it's like Mm-hmm. I love the moment that they have together as friends, but it does feel almost like um, not sexual, but just that romantic. Has a crush yeah, on her. yeah, it feels really romantic, mm-hmm. and it also reminds me of Jennifer's body. Definitely, yeah. It's it's very. It feels a lot like Jennifer and Needy's uh, dichotomy, mm-hmm. especially because we have Drea, who is more of the the Jennifer type, like the more popular right girl, and then we have. Eleanor, who is a little bit more of a needy. And um, I think that we talked about this a lot in the Jennifer's Body episode, how like there are a lot of blurred lines in female friendships between like romance and obsession and like loving someone and that things can be competitive and then they can be super intense. But yeah, when I watched this for the first time, I did, I was like, oh, maybe like this is the direction we're going in. Maybe they will end up together. Right. Right. They definitely plant those seeds in there and spoiler alert doesn't come to fruition. But Mm -hmm. I do think especially because like Eleanor talks about how she did have like a crush on Drea when they were younger, that that will kind of like always remain with her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Drea tells her that she likes her, um, that she's just like her and Eleanor agrees and that moment is very like full circle and very interesting. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Jennifer's body, mm-hmm. I have a tidbit to tell you. Yeah. So yesterday uh, I was hosting a baby shower and my my friend, the mother, one of her friends was there and he mentioned how like he used to be an actor once upon a time and he was like, yeah, the last movie I did was Jennifer's body. And I was like, What? Tell me all about Tell me it. everything. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yeah, so initially, brace yourself. He's like, I was cast as Adam Brody's part. I got the script. I had been cast. I was super excited because Diablo Cody had just won like the Oscar for Juno. Like 
he was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be a star. Like, this is amazing. A star, a star. And then just before filming started, they called him and they were like, hey, we actually recast the role. No. Because we got like a star to do it. They got Adam Brody to do it. So he was really upset. But they were like, no, we have this other role that we want you to play. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay. Um, And he was then like, yeah, and then my scene ended up being cut. And then I looked at his face and I was like, wait a second. Were you in the funeral scene? He was like, yeah, that was my scene. (gasps) The cut scene that I watched because I watched the extended version. So I was like, oh, my God, I need to tell you this right now. So I was like, I have a podcast, blah, blah, blah. I did Jennifer's body for our podcast. And I watched the extended version not knowing it wasn't the actual version. And your scene that you were in, like that funeral scene, I loved and I couldn't believe that it didn't end up like making it into the movie. And he was yeah. like, oh, thanks so much. Like, yeah, I was I was like, you know, bummed that it didn't make the, the final cut. And like for a long time, he had like really bad associations with the movie because like people clowned on it so hard and like hated it at the time. But I was like, no. Oh, just psycho. I'm like, no, you were on the right side of history. It's a great movie. Um, but he did say That's that his so first cool. day of filming, he got picked up at like, three four in the morning for his super early call time mm-hmm. and who's in the car sitting next to him adam brody <laughs> he was like <laughs> he's like i could have killed him right then and there the bitch who stole my role but he was yeah. like no i also love the oc yeah so like it was it was great to meet him but yeah he had really lovely things to say about everybody in the movie oh, so said good. that the cast was super nice megan fox was like really lovely him and her and like amanda seyfried and a couple of the other people they all had like a picnic one day so yeah the more you know but i was like wow. oh my god i can't because as soon as he said it i clicked and i was like oh my god i know exactly what scene you're from mm-hmm. but that's my little jennifer's body tidbit <laughs> i'll have to watch the funeral scene again to mm-hmm. look for him does he look like a Adam Brody type. Yeah, like he's tall, white guy, brown hair. Mm. Could be emo. I could, yeah. Oh, definitely. I could see him playing like an emo role for yeah. sure. That's yeah. so cool. Damn. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you were going to be singing through the trees. Yeah. <laughs> and doing a sacrifice is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the more you know. Anyway. <laughs> so. We then go back to school. Drea is sitting in homeroom. She's writing with a fluffy pink pen, very Cher Horowitz. And we see that Tara and Megan are live on the air with like the morning announcements, which also made me think about Drive Me Crazy, where they had like the the televised oh, like yeah. morning show. The whole yeah, morning show. Mm-hmm. And Tara is interviewing Megan because Megan is the editor of The Thorn, which is their school. Mm-hmm. magazine it looks very high budge right <laughs> and she talks about this profile that she's done about max for him to get his side of the story out there <sighs> and we see the cover of the thorn and it's like this very it's like a time magazine-esque photo of <laughs> max in black and white and it says max Broussard, the accidental feminist which is just bullshit makes me want to gag so drea starts crying and she flees class and outside she runs into russ and he's like oh my gosh are you okay because she's like crying she's obviously very upset and he asks if she wants to ditch school with him today Mm. and she's like 
All right. So Trey and Russ ride on his motorcycle. Oh, my God. (laughs) And Russ takes her to his warehouse art studio. And I'm like, game over, game over. Mm -hmm. I fall into his arms. We get married. Yep. And she asks what they're doing here. And he's like, oh, well, when my parents got divorced, you know, I was really angry, but found that throwing paint at canvases helped me work through it. And I'm like, so your daddy bought you an art studio? (laughs) He does say that his dad bought the warehouse, but then decided he didn't want it and just gave it to him. And I'm like, sure. Sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And he's like, I've been coming here a lot since Carissa got expelled. You know, it's been really tough for me to be at school without her. And he thought that maybe it might help her too. And that must sting to be like the guy I really care about and have a crush on. Mm-hmm. Like I made his life harder yeah, because of my stupid little plot. So Drea throws the paint balloon at Russ and it starts this whole paint fight a la 10 Things I Hate About You. And then Russ pulls her in for a kiss and lifts her up and I'm like... Oh my Toss God. me over your shoulder. <laughs> Carry me out of the room. It's moments like these where I'm like, wow, I wish I was like 5'2". I wish I could just be picked up at a moment's notice. Yeah, I will say I love when um, Josh picks me up. It's yeah. truly like <laughs> a chef's kiss moment. Like I'll be like, I'm really tired. And he'll mm-hmm. be like, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah matt will pick me up and i'm like put me down right now it's the like i've been picked up before and felt like the guy's shaking that's the thing that's the thing i saw a tiktok about this where it's like i would love (laughs) to be lifted i'd love to be lifted but if you if i see you struggle (laughs) if i see you gasping for breath i'm gonna lose it i don't want to lose it (laughs) you know you could be picked up. I could be picked up. There are a variety mm-hmm. of people who could pick both of us up. But like, I want it. I want to be picked up with confidence. I don't want to see a moment of hesitation. A moment I don't of see. concern. If I'm not light as a feather, don't. If even I'm not do light it. as a feather, <laughs> you're stop. Put me down. Unless I'm Thumbelina, don't yeah. pick me up. Oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah, I can be picked up, but I can't reach a fucking shelf. That's the trade-off. <laughs> That's true. I can reach everything in my kitchen. Yeah. So. That will never be me. I'll never have mm-hmm. that luxury. Yeah. You know, it's it's a trade-off. Different heights get different things. Yeah. Different strokes <laughs> for different folks. Yeah. So yes, after this little paint moment. Uh, Drea has had a chance to shower. Russ has not showered yet, though. He's still, like, all covered in paint, looking hot. Wow. And she's like, yeah, I feel so much better now. I'm just looking forward to being done with high school. And he asks, you know, what's next for her? And she says mm-hmm. that the plan is Yale and then Harvard Law. And Russ is like, yikes, that's a rough combo. And then I think she calls him, like, a socialist or something. <laughs> and- <laughs> He's like, no, it's just that I, I don't think you should equate your worth to an archaic idea of what the best means, you know? He says while he, like, washes off the paint with car- hard, cold cash. Mm-hmm. In the giant <laughs> warehouse that Daddy bought for him. Right. Sure. 
He then tells Drea that he's sorry for what happened to her with Max, and she thanks him and says that that means a lot, and they kiss. And as they're making out, Drea gets a text from Eleanor saying that Max's texts are locked and loaded, ready to be released tomorrow on Valentine's Day. Wow. So Valentine's Day is abreast, and Max gets up to make a speech at the assembly with his club all about their first annual Valentine's Day self-love palooza. And he like, blah, 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 respecting woman, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Valentine's Day is patriarchal, heteronormative, blah, blah, blah. And then Eleanor, Andrea's signal, sends out the text blast to everyone in school. And (laughs) Andrea's like, I'm shocked. This is shocking news. So Elliot ushers Max off stage and Tara has her girls cover her with a jacket while she escapes. So OD. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I love, I really love Camilla's performance in this whole movie. I think she's so funny. Yeah. But this moment especially where she's like, I'm shocked. This is shocking news. (laughs) So good. (laughs) She's a funny lady. She's Mm -hmm. really good. I'm like, Riverdale is not letting her do all that she can do she's also i noticed just which i think lends itself to this movie and how like comedic it is Mm -hmm. like she's really good at being in it the whole time like there are a couple moments where maya hawk i'm like you're making like a funny face at the camera or like (laughs) she's she's you're not finding your light right, right right but like she just Every time she's in a picture, like every screen cap, I feel like mm-hmm. Camila Mendez looks just impeccable and just yeah. super in it. She has really good control over her face. Yeah. Yeah. Scary almost. It scares me <laughs> to be still. <laughs> oh my gosh. I knew that like Josh was younger than me, but when he told me like, he watched Radio Rebel. I I was like, I'm like, what? <laughs> You're like, that's not that's just not a in meme the canon, to you? <laughs> right? 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 Oh my gosh! So after this whole Valentine's debacle, everyone is gossiping in the hallway. The Instagram witch tells her coven that they're going to be casting some spells on Max tonight, and I'm like. But you knew he was with Tara. Like, it's not like you didn't know that. I don't know. But it's, like, absolute chaos. Somebody has lit, like, a trash can on fire for no (laughs) reason. (laughs) And Drea just sips her drink and watches the chaos. Mm -hmm. In the library, Tara's click is, like, on the phone with her dad's strategist trying to figure out how to spin this. While Max literally sits under his jacket in the fetal position Gabby comes in to check on him, and Tara's like, okay, we have a plan. She then has her cronies go around saying that Tara and Max are ethically non-monogamous, and it's very progressive of them. And all the students are like, oh, my God. Like, the horny theater kids are like, I have a shot with Max. I have a shot with (laughs) – and this – like, five different people, like, some ladies, some guys, some whomstevers Mm -hmm. are like, I have a shot with – I have a shot with Max. Like, I have a shot with Max. I think even one of his friends is like, I have a shot with Max. Yeah. There's also, like, the whole bit of Elliot being like, as Americans, like, it's our right to eat everybody's ass or something like that. Like, there's this <laughs> whole thing about 
Oh my gosh. So then we have another little Mean Girls reference as everybody is abuzz in the hallway about having a shot with Max and how progressive him and Tara are. Andrea's just like standing there, very much like Regina George in Mean Girls when like there's complete chaos and pandemonium around her in the hallway once the burn book has been released. And that's when Drea gets called into a meeting with the headmaster and Sarah Michelle Geller says that she prides herself on her ability to spot talent and nurture it. And when she read Drea's application, she knew she was special and then says, I hate being wrong. And Drea says, but you aren't wrong. And the headmaster informs her that she just got a call from the head of admissions from Yale and they have rejected Drea. Wow. Apparently her grades have slipped. She has no extracurriculars. And somebody sent that thorn piece to Yale about, you know, detailing her punching Max. So Drea is in shock and is like, no, 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 I can turn this around. Like, it's only April. I've just been distracted. But the headmaster says she hopes whatever it was was worth it because it just cost her her future. I'm like, all right. Sarah Michelle Geller, not very helpful, but yeah. I'm also like, there are other schools besides Yale. Yeah. So Drea cries as she walks through campus and says she felt violated all over again. And there was only one person sadistic enough to send that article. Max was hunting her for sport. Mm. Yale kept her from going for his throat, but it was open season now. Wow. So Treya tells Eleanor about Yale, and Eleanor tries to hug her, but she says, no, no, don't pity me, don't touch me. It's not just Max. It's all of those trust fund fucks who stood by while Max ruined my life and I lost everything. So Eleanor is like, do you want to go after all of them? And Treya says, yes, they need to pay for taking Yale from me. And Treya asks Elle where she got into school Please tell me at least one Ivy. There's like that moment when Eleanor tries to go and hug Drea and Drea's like, no, don't touch me. And we see this like look on Eleanor's face that I think kind of starts the beginning of the flip that we'll see a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like a very brief moment, but I didn't catch it the first time I watched it. And then the second time, because I knew what was going to happen, I was like, oh, right. Interesting. Yeah, that tracks for sure because this is also like Drea's breaking point. Mm-hmm. And uh, her whole demeanor towards Eleanor also shifts after this. Yeah, especially like working with the undertone of Eleanor having some level of romantic feeling, whether it blurs into sexual or obsession. Like, yeah, you know, it's definitely there. So. Eleanor sits down with Tara, Megan, and Montana and tells them that she got into Brown and Columbia. And then the girls lean forward in a way that the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, it's the plastics leaning forward at the table (laughs) when they invite Katie to sit with them at lunch. (laughs) So she says that every year they have an admissions party. It is a night of pure debauchery where phones are confiscated at the door from sundown to sun up, and the only way in is with an IV acceptance letter. So the plan is for Eleanor to go to the party, 
secretly film all of this debauchery, Mm -hmm. expose them, destroy their futures. And Eleanor asks Drea, like, okay, and what about Max? And Drea just holds her face and goes, we're going to kill him. Oh, my God. And she's like, for real? And she's like, no, not for real. Are you fucking crazy? No, but don't worry. Max <laughs> and I'm like, is mine. she is. She is crazy. I'm fucking crazy, but at least I'm free. Yeah. <laughs> so, what she wants to do is get Max to admit that he leaked the video. Eleanor agrees to go to the party and tells us that Treya had snapped. When she lost Yale, a dark cloud settled over their friendship, and she only cared about revenge. So Eleanor is in the library when Drea asks where the party is, and it turns out Max is renting a house, but Eleanor doesn't have the address yet. And then Eleanor's like, oh, you know, my birthday is tomorrow. Like, do you want to hang out with me? And Drea's like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Just get the address. So very much dismissive. Yeah. She's going to regret that. Absolutely. So on Eleanor's birthday, she actually ends up hanging out with Gabby. They're walking through like this park and she's getting a bunch of texts from Drea being like, hello, where are you? Where are you? Answer me. But Eleanor just ignores her texts and Gabby asks if she's okay. And Eleanor is like, yeah, no, I'm totally fine. I just kind of feel like I'm being eaten alive from the inside, you know? And Gabby says, yeah, you do run with a pretty intense crowd these days, and you've undergone quite the change, like new hair, new clothes. But she tells Eleanor, like, don't worry, like, I think it's rad, you know, but I'm just still here for the Eleanor that I met on the first day of school. Like, I thought she was pretty interesting. And then Eleanor makes the classic Taylor Swift reference where she says the old Eleanor can't come to the phone now. Why? Because she's dead. Mm-hmm. And they sit down together and Gabby says, no, but this is all just armor. You know, just like my armor is seeming like I'm incredibly secure with myself and like I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. But in actuality, I care so much, you know. She does seem effortlessly cool. Oh, yeah. She has such a cool air about her. It's wild. Mm-hmm. And then Eleanor just looks at Gabby and says, I really like you, and I want to tell you everything. Wow. Gabby says, I really like you, too. And they kiss while what is playing in the background? Silk Chiffon by Muna, of course. Silk Chiffon. That's how it feels. feels. (laughs) Uh, I'll never get over seeing them in concert. I can only imagine how good that was. I, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there, are, I've literally wanted to see uh, Muna every time that they've had a concert, like, in the vicinity, mm-hmm. and have missed so many times. Like, once I was because we were all in Scotland. Yeah. Another time, I, I was out of town. Another time, like, this most recent one, like, I'm going out of town. Or no, 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 no. Maybe it was, like... I tried to get I tried to get pre-sale tickets. Mm. They sold out. And then Classic. all the tickets on Ticketmaster were like $100. Give us your firstborn. Yeah. Right. But uh yeah, if you have an opportunity to see Moon at concert, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely a great song choice and also a nice little referential moment to like the kiss in Central Park cuz they're sitting in a park when they have this little kiss. And they're also, I felt like the 
um, you mentioned the outfits at school are very mm. like Korean inspired. Yeah. Um, but it also did remind me of the Silk Chiffon mm. music video, which is a reference to But I'm a Cheerleader, where yeah. they're, they're in pastels, the blue and the pink. Definitely, yeah. I do feel like the the color palette of this movie is very much inspired by But I'm a Cheerleader with like the yeah. light pastels and everything, for sure. Pastels are really the language of the late millennial, early mm-hmm. Gen Z. Yeah. There's just people love pastels Mm -hmm. these days. So back at home, Eleanor arrives. She hears the sounds of some people talking in her house. And she gets to her living room where a bunch of people jump out from behind the furniture. It's Max and the crew throwing her a surprise birthday party. Oh, my God. And I'm like, that's actually very sweet. That's a really nice thing to do for a friend. Yeah. Eleanor is so touched that they did this for her. It's clear that she doesn't have like experience with having close friends that would do something like that Mm -hmm. and tells us that in a shocking turn of events, everything she thought she hated was actually exactly what she always wanted. And Terry gives Eleanor her present. It's a jacket that matches the rest of the group. Very like pink ladies from Mm -hmm. Greece-esque. And Eleanor says this started as her trying to help Drea. But at this moment, She just felt like she was surrounded by friends. Wow. Meanwhile, over at Drea's house, she is like in bed with Russ. They've obviously like just had sex or done something. (laughs) And Drea just keeps looking at her unanswered texts to Eleanor. And she's pissed because Eleanor got what she wanted out of the plan. Like Carissa has been destroyed. And now she's just ghosting Drea. And Russ asks what's up, and she's like, oh, nothing, whatever, puts her phone down, and is like, you know, I just need a little distraction from all the stress. And he's like, don't worry, babe, I got you. So he starts going down on her, and she does, like, the most phoned-in, <laughs> like, fake moment moaning where she's like, oh, oh, right there. Oh, my God, fuck. <laughs> she's, like, literally scrolling through Instagram yeah. stories on her phone. <laughs> And that's when she sees, because she's still on Montana's uh, close friends on Instagram, Eleanor's party. So then she goes, I came. Let's go to a party. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, Russ is hot, but clearly not that skilled. (laughs) Yikes. So Drea shows up to the party with Russ and everyone is like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. You know, Drea? And Eleanor's like, yeah, yeah, we have a couple classes together. Max is like, Drea, what are you doing here? And Drea's like, oh, I'm still on Montana's close friends. Like, I saw that you guys were having a party. And Max says, surely that's by mistake. And Drea asks why he's being so hostile. She's waving a white flag. They should put all this ugliness aside. And She's like, I believe you didn't leak the video, so why are we still fighting? And he's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Glad you're here. Hope you're having a good time. And Drea asks um, to steal the birthday girl for a second, and they go outside. And Tara asks Max how Drea even had this address. And I'm like, mm. rut Yeah, he's definitely getting suspicious at this point because he's like, yeah, good question. Mm. So 
They go outside. Drea comments on the matching jacket that Eleanor once has and is like, what do you think you're doing? And then Eleanor turns the question around on her and she's like, yeah, nice entrance. What do you think you're doing? Andrea says that she was worried about her. Like, these people are not your friends. Again, very John Tucker when Kate is getting sucked into the orbit and they're like, don't forget, he's playing you. But Eleanor just thinks that Drea is jealous of her hanging out with her old friends and is like, do you even remember that today is my birthday? And Drea's like, no, but like, why would I even know that? And Eleanor says, because I told you yesterday and maybe because we spent an entire year together, which is true. Yeah. And then Drea tells Eleanor that she's pathetic. None of this is real. Max <sighs> is just throwing this party to control you and they're going to drop you the second that you don't, you don't serve them anymore. And Eleanor asks if Drea is any different because at least with Max, she got a birthday party out of it. So then Drea asks Eleanor if she likes Max and reminds her that Max is the one who leaked the video right as Gabby starts standing by the door and is listening in. And then Eleanor says, are you sure? Because there's never been any evidence that he did. And this hurts Drea a lot. And she asks Eleanor yeah. to take it back. But Eleanor says no. And then Drea then says from the bottom of my heart fuck you eleanor and leaves so eleanor goes back inside where she runs into gabby and this part of the movie honestly kind of confused me i was like this is like a weird exchange and gabby says i love my brother but you know he leaked that video and you said some pretty messed up stuff out there and I didn't really like this also made me be like, yeah, it is annoying that she's related to him because mm -hmm. it does not fit her personality like any of the way that she's been acting in the movie and like everything we've known about her until now. It just doesn't add up to her saying, you know, she he's my brother and I love him, but he leaked it. Like, yeah, I feel like she would just denounce his actions more fervently. No, for sure. It makes her super hypocritical. Because she, like, talks about, like, oh, yeah, the, that's, like, the popular crowd, blah, blah, blah. Like, be careful. They're super conniving. But she never calls out her brother. She, like, goes to check on him. Right. Make sure he's okay after it turns out that he's been playing every fucking girl in this school. She never holds him accountable. No. Which, like, maybe is, you know, they're trying to make a statement with that that nobody holds, like, rich cis white dudes accountable. Maybe. But... Maybe. It just makes me like like her character less. Right. Because yeah. I already don't like Max. So yeah. yeah. So Gabby says, guess we solved the mystery of Eleanor though, right? This isn't your armor anymore. It's just you. And she says she can't believe she was wrong and leaves. Yeah. Later that night, Drea is on the phone with her mechanic because her car isn't starting and she's like, oh, yeah, you fixed my car last year. I'm worried it's the same issue. And the mechanic says that last time somebody had removed her spark plug, which is why it wouldn't start. And Drea is really confused and is like, oh, are they worth something? And the mechanic says, no, it was probably just someone messing with you. Like, do you have a jealous ex who fixes cars? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And then Drea is like, Eleanor knows about cars. So... 
the gears are a turning. Yeah. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. So Drea is sussed. So Drea decides to go to rehab to get some answers from Carissa, where she bumps into Erica. And Erica tells Drea that after she got kicked out of tennis camp, she lost her scholarship to Stanford and then developed an actual coke problem. And I'm like, why was she ragging on Drea for working as a tennis pro when she has a scholarship to Stanford? Maybe it it was a merit-based scholarship. Yeah, I guess maybe. She says she's glad to see Drea because one of the steps in recovery is to make amends with people she's hurt. And then she holds Drea's face and says, from the bottom of my heart, I wish you nothing but the worst for the rest of your miserable fucking existence. And then she says, love your earrings. (laughs) And Drea says, thank you. When the receptionist comes out to get her and Drea tells Erica, hang in there and walks off. And (laughs) Erica takes a photo of her whispering that she should sleep with one eye open. Oh, Sophie Turner. So good. <laughs> yeah. Scathing. So Drea goes downstairs to like the backyard where she finds Carissa playing croquet. Lovely little Heather's reference. They sit down and we pan over to a shot of like girls doing like arts and crafts. They're painting like the flowers in the garden. And then we see that Erica is literally painting a portrait (laughs) of Drea as the devil. (laughs) So Carissa tells Drea that she hadn't spoken to Eleanor in like a year when she showed up at Rose Hill and she almost didn't recognize her. Turns out that Eleanor... (gasps) was Carissa's first girlfriend. What? And back then, she went by Nora, and it was before her nose job. (gasps) Andrea is super confused and is like, what are you talking about? She told me this story about, like, a summer camp and you outing her, whatever, whatever. And Carissa is like, wait, what? Like, she told you that I did that? Also, how did you not immediately call bullshit on that? Drea, You were the one who started that rumor. (gasps) (gasps) Eleanor is nosy Nora Cutler from day camp. The puzzle pieces are fitting together. Drea remembers that it was in fact her who started this rumor. And Eleanor has been the one taking her down all along. Insane. When I watched this for the first time, I definitely did not see this coming. But I do remember at like the birthday party scene when they have that fight, I was sitting there and I was kind of like, this is good. But like, I don't know. It just feels like kind of formulaic. Like, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I, I feel like I know exactly where this is going. I don't know. And then this twist happened and I was like, oh. <gasps> right. Because I did not see it coming. <laughs> Maybe I'm just stupid, but I did not see it no, coming. No, no. I think I, – I don't think I saw it coming either. I guess the only thing was when – she says like the spark plug thing. Yeah, but then well, she yeah. Goes, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. insane. I I really like this twist. Yeah. So we see a montage where Eleanor comes across Drea's TV video back in the summer and found out through Instagram that she is a tennis pro, which is why Eleanor tells her mom she's going to join tennis camp. 
And she was the one who sent the video to Erica, who sent it to everyone. We have a lovely Clueless reference of like the pan across all the girls waiting to get up and play tennis. Yeah. Yeah. And Eleanor is the one who took out her spark plug and who planted the idea for them to do each other's revenge in the first place. So there's an amazing shot of her drinking champagne in the bathtub. And um, you clocked this as a notebook reference. Yeah. See, I've never even seen the notebook, but I am very familiar with like there's a there's a screenshot. I used to see it on Tumblr all the time of Allie sitting in the bathtub, like drinking a glass of champagne. And so I think that this is a reference to that, but it, it might not be. But. It's a very stylized moment, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be surprised. We haven't mentioned it like at all in this episode, but Eleanor does have like an emotional support bearded dragon whose name is yeah. Oscar winner Olivia <laughs> Coleman. And while she's in the bathtub, she has like the bearded lizard in his own little bathtub on a step like next to her, which is incredible. Dude, I want a lizard. Yeah. So Eleanor goes, listen, was all this a little crazy? Sure. But I'm a teenage girl. We're psychopaths. After the ring dinner, she planned to call it off because Drea seemed to have changed and she didn't want to hurt her. But after the birthday party, she realized she was the same mean girl and she deserved everything that was coming to her. And at this point, I was like, okay. You know, I get it. She said some mean things at the birthday party, but like, you're also insane for everything that you're doing. Who are you to like judge her in that moment? Yeah. God, they're both so crazy. <laughs> There's, yeah, they're both cracked, dude. So, Drea gets home to not her mother, but Eleanor in her kitchen making her a grilled cheese. Turns out Eleanor follows Eric on Instagram. She saw the photo of Drea at the rehab facility. She knows that, you know, Drea went to see Carissa and now she knows everything. So everything's out on the table at this point. And Eleanor tells Drea that she's had the upper hand this whole time. Remember, narcissists are too focused on themselves to realize they're being played. So Drea says she's never going to get away with this. You know, the optics of a rich white girl ruining the life of a scholarship student of color aren't exactly great. And Drea says that she had her destroy Carissa for no reason. And Drea does seem to actually feel some remorse about doing this to Carissa without any cause. Yeah. But Eleanor's rationale for wanting Carissa destroyed is that Carissa had gotten so freaked out once Drea spread that rumor that she jumped back in the closet when Eleanor needed her the most and reminds Drea that rumors aren't harmless comments. They follow you everywhere. But come on, Eleanor, yeah. it was selfish. Yeah. And Eleanor talks about how after the rumors were spread, she couldn't sleep and she couldn't eat and she actually had to get sent to a treatment center. And the worst thing is that Drea doesn't even remember doing this to her. And Drea asks where this game is going. She's already lost Yale. There's nothing left. And Eleanor says that's not true. She'll still get into a perfectly good college. She's going to make sure that she gets stuck with her pain forever because she is stuck with hers. And I'm like, I think you need a better therapist. Yeah. 
So Eleanor tells Drea that she's going to get back in with her old friends and go to that admissions party and push them to do the craziest shit ever. Then when it all gets leaked, it'll be traced back to Drea's IP address and they'll all go down. So really sinister. Yeah. And Drea reminds her she can't go to the party. And Eleanor is like, you think I can't doctor an admissions email? (laughs) Andrea's like, all right, if you want to ruin me, go ahead. But she's not helping her. And Eleanor's like, okay, I was worried about that. But it got her thinking about her mom. She recently learned it's really easy to frame people for having drugs on them. And I'm like, that's crazy. That's diabolical. (laughs) Diabolical is the right word. Yeah. Yeah. She then asked for Andrea's objective opinion on the plan. Did she make revenge mommy proud? And I'm like, are you going to kiss her? (laughs) Are you going to make out over the grilled cheese right now? What's up? Literally. What's going on? (laughs) So on her way out, she also mentions that she told Russ what she did to Carissa. (gasps) And that was hard to hear because I was like, fuck. Yeah. Eleanor is really going for the jugular. Mm -hmm. I thought it was also really cool to see the the flip in costuming in this moment because up until now we're seeing Eleanor in a lot of like warm kind of autumnal color. She's going right. with this retro vibe. And then here she's wearing like all black. She has like a dark lipstick on, a smoky mm-hmm. eye. So she's really leaning into that more like dark exterior, which I thought was um, a cool flip to match the emotional flip that we see. Definitely. I agree. So, Drea is frantically driving down the street trying to get to Russ. She's on the phone with him trying to explain. He's like, listen, I don't know, like, what Eleanor told you. I can totally explain this whole thing with Carissa. Turns out that Eleanor actually hadn't told Russ, but now Drea has. And just when you think it can't get any worse, what happens? Drea gets hit by a car. Who's driving the car? (sighs) Eleanor. Uh. (laughs) When I saw – okay, so just – I let me – next scene, Dre wakes up in the hospital. Yeah. Next scene, she's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. This bitch hit her with a car. Yep. She T-boned her. Unlike Cruel Intentions, she survives this one. But. I, I still can't believe he dies in that movie. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. Like <laughs> – Reese Witherspoon leaning over Ryan Phillippe's body, just like, no. He gets a little love tap from a car and he's and out. And he's outie. <laughs> that man had a weak constitution. Yeah. So Trey wakes up in the hospital bed and Russ asks her how she's feeling. And she asks if he talked to Eleanor and says the revenge thing was both of them and apologizes for what she did to Carissa and explains that she thought that she hurt Eleanor. And Russ tells her to turn herself in. So she asks if he knows what would happen to her if she did. And Russ says he's aware of the differences between her and Carissa. But she decided to drug the whole class. And more than anyone, she should know how violating it is to have someone's private messages leaked. Because all of those girls who Max was texting, ended up as collateral damage. And I did feel bad about that. 
yeah, nobody thought about them and how mm-hmm. it was going to affect them. That not only because like there were pictures and stuff too. Right, 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 right. That's yeah. what I was thinking too. Because like texts are one thing, but like the images are yeah incredibly violating. And he says he really wanted this to work, but it just doesn't. So Eleanor comes in with a dog balloon for Drea and apologizes for the car accident. (laughs) I'm sorry I hit you with my fucking car. Right. But she had to do something for Max and her, like, friend group, I guess, um, to let her back in the group. And there's nothing vapid people love more than making other people's tragedies about them. And that is so true. Yeah. So Eleanor wipes Drea's tears and says she wishes it could have been different. Truly. Then we have this incredible montage set to Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So Eleanor gets home. She looks in the mirror and thinks about how, you know, she did it. She's pulled off this whole plan and she should feel exhilarated. But she just feels rotten and lost and she doesn't even recognize herself. But the only way is through. And we see this montage of all of Eleanor and Drea's moments together. We even get this Mm -hmm. like super quick flashing montage of like just Drea. And we see Eleanor just like wipe the lipstick on the side of her face, which made me think about in Jennifer's body when she's like wiping all the foundation on her face when she's getting ready for prom. We then cut back to Drea in her hospital bed all alone when all the texts start coming in from her old friends, including Max. But my personal favorite is the one from Elliot. He says, WTF, hope you're okay. (laughs) WTF? What the fuck? Hope you're okay. Mm -hmm. So at school, Drea is laying on the bench in the bathroom when Tara comes in. And she's like, I figured you would be here. This is our spot. I just thought I should let you have it this year. And Tara asks her how she's doing. And Drea's like, having a blast. Thanks so much. And that's when Tara admits that she does really miss her. And she made some really bad choices and let social politics overcomplicate things. And it shouldn't have taken like a car accident for her to realize that. Yeah. So Tara wipes her tears and she says that she thinks Drea is lucky because she got out, you know, she's free. And Drea says she doesn't feel free. She feels like she got hit by a car and then goes, oh, wait, I did. And I'm like, are you concussed? Like, (laughs) it was a pretty bad accident. Classic Gen Z humor. Yeah. haha. And Drea says she gives up. But Tara says, no, no, you're fucking Drea Torres, you're the girl who taught me what it means to be an indomitable force. That girl is not dead. And Tara tells her to come to the admissions party and show everybody at Rose Hill what a bad bitch looks like. Yassify the party. Yes, queen. It's, uh, I feel like they didn't quite do enough for me with Tara. Yeah, same. The resolution didn't hit as hard as it could have. No, we needed to see more of a moment where she actually does flip on Max and, like, stop buying into his bullshit. Because even when, like, I guess we'll talk about it later because it's it's coming up. But 
I don't know. I just, I don't think that they, they, they tried to give her a redemption arc where I don't think it was earned. Yeah, I agree. There, yeah, there just wasn't enough fodder there. Mm-hmm. So it's now time for the admissions party. Drea and Eleanor walk up. They surrender their phones. They ride through this like tunnel that takes them to the party. It totally <laughs> looks like a love tunnel at a carnival. Yeah, exactly. And Eleanor gives Drea this hidden camera brooch to wear. Um, it was giving me never been kissed. And Drea tells Eleanor not to forget that she created her and she can just as easily destroy her, which is also another jawbreaker reference. It's almost like a direct line pull. Mm. So they enter the party, which again, this is just, it's reference after reference after reference. They enter the party and it looks like Romy and Michelle entering the high school reunion. And we just see it's absolute debauchery as everybody is just partying the night away. So that's when Elliot offers the group K mm-hmm. and Drea turns it down initially, but Eleanor tells her not to be an arc, like you do some K. So then Drea goes, <laughs> This is like so uh, sociopathic. She's like, Guys, can we all just look at Eleanor right now? You are so pretty. Isn't Eleanor so pretty? Like, okay, Regina George. <laughs> so everyone agrees, and Max comes up and starts rubbing Eleanor's shoulders. <laughs> and Treya is like, Eleanor, you're so bad. You're going to hook up with both Broussards? I thought you were into Gabby. <gasps> and everyone is surprised. And Treya keeps going and is like, did you know Eleanor used to go by Nora? And she went to day camp with Tara and I. Don't you remember? I guess she looked a little different. So Drea then covers Eleanor's nose, and they all recognize her as Nosy Nora and start laughing, and Eleanor storms off, and Drea follows her, watched by Max. So Eleanor is crying by the fire pit when Drea rushes up and apologizes and says, this part also, like, it felt a little bit whiplashy to go immediately Mm -hmm. from her, like, preying on all of Eleanor's insecurities and like deepest darkest secrets and then being extremely apologetic and like reflective about it they again didn't quite justify this flip for me if they just gave us like a one shot on Camilla's face when Eleanor like walks out that would have done it for me yeah I agree but Drea rushes up, she apologizes, and is like, I'm sorry, I really thought that I was different from them. Every time I did something mean, I thought I was just doing it to survive, but that was just a lie that I would tell myself to feel better about being a toxic bitch. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, does any of this make you feel better? Because I'm fucking miserable. And Eleanor is like, no, it doesn't. I feel like shit. So Drea then takes off the brooch, she throws it to the ground, and despite Eleanor's protest, she smashes it. So all their evidence is now gone. And she tells Eleanor that none of this will make them feel any better. They can't erase what they did, but she doesn't want to hurt her anymore. And the only time she ever felt happy this year was when she was with Eleanor. The truth comes out. Mm-hmm. And then Drea just kind of starts laughing and says you might be the only real friend I've ever had. And if I could go back in time to when we were at camp, I would tell you that you were the coolest person I've ever met. And I'll regret what I did forever. 
So we get a big showdown scene where Max comes out of the trees clapping and he's like, wow, what a heartwarming display of female friendship. Andrea calls him a cliche POS piece of shit for entering with a slow clap. (laughs) And Max tells her to look in the mirror and says that they've been very busy this year and throws Eleanor's phone on the ground because he has looked through it and he knows everything. (gasps) Yeah. He's like, you didn't really think I was going to, you know, take your phones and not go through them. So has Max just been like missing from the party for like an hour as he's going through everyone's phones? phones? (laughs) So Drea says he really is the devil. And he says it's a shame that his entrepreneurial spirit has to be reduced to petty name calling. So Max says that the um, texts were really compelling and he didn't see that twist coming. Same girl, same. (laughs) I know, right? And he also thought that he and Eleanor had like a will they, won't they thing going on. So it was pretty sad to see it was just pretend. (laughs) Andrea asked what his plan is and Max says he was going to just let it go. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. I hate you. (laughs) I know all your secrets. So I'm going to use all the resources I have to annihilate both of you. Yeah. Then he kind of goes into their backstory a little bit and he tells Eleanor about how he first met Drea freshman year when he overheard her eviscerating a teacher and was like, oh my (laughs) God, who is she? I got to know. And he says he welcomed her into his world and she just used him. Like nobody would have cared about her if it wasn't for him. And she never said, thank you. Thank you for making me matter. And then that Teen Vogue video was his breaking point. And then he calls Drea a conniving, selfish sociopath who uses everyone to get what she wants. And so is he. And therein lies the problem. Aye, there's the rub. (laughs) That's it. And he says that most people, if they met a clone of themselves, they would be elated. But with both of them, he knew he had to bury her alive, which is why he said he loved her and got her to make that video. And he sent it to everyone. One thing that I kind of wish the movie had done that I think would have made this a little more satisfying is if they had actually put doubt in our minds throughout, whether it was him who actually sent the video, like they could have planted seeds that maybe it was Tara or maybe it was one of the girls that was jealous of her or anyone else just to kind of up the stakes and maybe plant some doubt in our minds but it was just so obvious from the jump that like obviously he sent it Mm -hmm. but yeah and i guess maybe that's just a commentary on how obvious things yeah can seem i mean maybe i'm giving too much credit but um that like obviousness when something like that happens but you're like oh but but there's no proof right they're such a good guy Mm mm-hmm yeah, so Drea is in tears at this point, and she, <laughs> this part is so funny, though. She goes, was any of it real? And he mockingly is like, I don't know, was it? And I'm like, Austin Abrams, man, your comedic timing is really here. I need you to do some more comedy, because right. it was so good. Then he's like, all right, uh, I'm going to go back to my party and do coke off a girl's butthole. Have a great time. Bye, Dre. I'm really going to miss you. Peace out. So 
Once Max's Audi 3000, Eleanor starts laughing. Why? <gasps> because she had another brooch recording the whole thing. It's called a double, double assurance, assurance, baby. <laughs> so Drea and Eleanor hug and they're like, are we okay? We're okay. I'm so sorry. And then Drea's like, I think we might be really fucked up soulmates. And that sums up the movie in entirety, I think. Right. You could end it there. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, listen, I know I just said that taking Max down wouldn't make us feel better, but... And Eleanor's like, oh, let's do revenge. So in the house, Max has a girl laying down. He's doing coke off her stomach. And then suddenly the music cuts out downstairs. So Max goes down to investigate and praise you by that boy. Slim starts playing and Max sees the confession of him being projected onto the wall for everyone to see. And he tries to tell everyone it's a joke. He's like, let's keep the party going. And he looks around for the remote, and Tara comes in rushing. And she's like, oh, babe, are you looking for this? And he's like, oh, thank you, baby. I love you so much. So then she dunks the remote in a glass of water and says, Fuck you, Max. We're over. See, this doesn't quite like land for me because she already knew that he was cheating on her before and like chose to stick by him. Yeah. So like if something changed, if it was truly like that Drea got into this car accident and made her realize how much she loved her, like that didn't land for me. Right. I agree. The ending kind of felt like they were like, we're running out of time. Yeah. They're like, oh shit, we're at the two hour mark. Gotta wrap it up. (laughs) So Max is, like, losing it. He tells Tara to say goodbye to her daddy's Senate career. And everyone's like, oh, my God, are you threatening her? And everyone just is – Whoa. Everyone's just staring at Max in disgust. He is maybe for the first time ever feeling the consequences of his actions. And Max begs Elliot to help him out. Like, tell everyone I'm a good guy. But Elliot just says, I think you should leave. (gasps) And then Max yells, fuck you. And I think it's interesting, though, that there's no way his friends didn't know that, like, this is the way he is. I think it's only, like, now that he is losing social capital because the general consensus is now, fuck this guy, Mm -hmm. that they are turning on him. So, like, in any case, Max yells, fuck you, and just keeps trying to get everyone back on his side, and he blames Drea and Eleanor for everything, and he then gets up in Drea's face and is like, you know what? I'm glad I leaked that video. And then she slaps him and just goes, be careful. So then Max stumbles out of the party and some random extra in the background goes, don't let the patriarchy hit you on the way out. <sighs> and we see Max kneeling in front of the house with his head in his hands. So headmaster Sarah Michelle Geller tells Drea that Max has been expelled. And as a result, there is an open spot at Yale and she would love to make a call on her behalf. And Drea lets this like sink in for a moment and says that all she's ever wanted was to get into Yale. But right now, all she can think is, who cares? I don't want to be that person anymore. And you can kind of tell there's like a glint of, I think, happiness Mm -hmm. in Sarah Michelle Geller's eyes. And she tells her that her whole life she's been cocooned. Everything she's done has brought her to this moment. 
And now she is a butterfly, a kaleidoscope of trauma and resilience, and says, I know it's hell, but you are never more alive than when you were 17. (laughs) And fuck figuring out who you're meant to be. Stay lost as long as you can. I really love this line, even though it's so corny. I was thinking about when I was 17 and I was like, I'm going to go to NYU and like be an actress and like live my life. I was like, yeah. I I feel like 17 is really an age where it feels like you're flying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel yeah, similarly. It, it definitely, it made me think, you know, that line in, um, one tree hill when nathan is like oh like one day you're 17 and you're planning for someday and then someday is today yeah and you know that whole that line um it made me think about that and i think this is also like a super poignant line to be delivered by sarah michelle geller who played so many iconic teenage characters right the most you know significant being buffy Mm -hmm. but also you know obviously Catherine from cruel intentions and yeah, it is It is a really, like, special time. You are, like, on the precipice of so many things. And you do have your whole mm-hmm. life ahead of you. And therefore, it feels like every every possibility is an option. Like, there are so many different yeah. avenues you can go down because you haven't necessarily pigeonholed yourself into one yet. Yeah. And it's like you're looking forward to, like, prom and you're enjoying your last, your last moments, your last time in high school. And you're, like – Wow, what's the next adventure? Mm-hmm. Like I've been I've been you've been ushered through mm-hmm. grade school and middle school and high school and then it's like finally you get to make your own decisions. Yeah. Um yeah, it's like scary, but it's fucking like a a rush of adrenaline. Mhm. Yeah, for sure. I also love the the costuming in this moment because up until now, all of Drea's clothes have been like super structured and like we have more like heavy fabrics, I feel like. But in this scene, she's wearing this really soft, like purplish blue, like sort of a periwinkle, like pastel moment. And it's really mm-hmm. soft with the fabrics and everything. And I love that that like signifies the change in Drea and like yeah. in her storytelling that she's not sticking to as rigid of a life plan as she had always thought she would. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, because of this whole experience in her senior year that like Mm -hmm. in this freeing moment, like that pit that she mentions um, in that scene with Eleanor in the middle of the movie, I feel like it's that unraveling of that like coiled up high standard she's always felt beholden to. Mm -hmm, For sure. So our ending of the movie, Eleanor goes to pick up Drea at her house in her convertible and asks if it's totally bonkers that they're missing graduation. And Drea says, if by bonkers you mean amazing, then yes. And they drive down the highway singing along (laughs) to the amazing song, Bitch, singing, I'm a bitch, I'm I'm a lover, lover, I'm a child, I'm a mother. And as they drive and sing and laugh, it's a lovely little hybrid between Romy and Michelle and Cruel Intentions for Reese our Witherspoon ending driving moment. off. Yeah. Yes. And we do get a nice uh, credits moment. We see Russ opening the door to his warehouse studio to see Treya standing next to a canvas that says, I'm sorry, and telling him that she turned herself in to the headmaster. Unfortunately, Carissa is still expelled because she was growing drugs, 
but yeah. she did tell the truth. And then she tells Russ her next move is to join the Peace Corps and they kiss. And like, she doesn't even know what the Peace Corps is. But yeah. uh, meanwhile, Eleanor sets up a picnic blanket with flowers in the park as a grand gesture for Gabby. And she falls asleep and Gabby comes up and she's like, hey, Andrea's <laughs> like, oh, I like didn't know if you're going to walk by. And then I fell asleep, blah, blah, blah. And Gabby says that Drea told her everything and she digs it. And the girls make out. They're like on the blanket, like mwah, mwah, mwah. Yeah. Gabby's like fully mounted her. It's, uh, it's a I know, little it's spicy for as, like, public. <laughs> I was like, why are you always making the lesbians the sexual ones? But whatever. <laughs> and then Max attends a support group called Masculinity Examined. How to Untangle the Toxic Roots of Patriarchy. Wow. And it looks like it could have been the cis-hetero ally group. Because Absolutely. Because it's all like <laughs> very mid-looking white guys. Mm-hmm. And that's due revenge. Wow. They said two hours. Mm, just a tight minutes. two hours. <laughs> 120 minutes. Yeah. That's what it was, yeah. So what are what are your thoughts, your first time viewing? Yeah, I mean, I really liked it. I enjoyed the plot. Like, the twist was so spacey. It was a mm-hmm. sweet treat in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Camila Mendez. This was really the first time I saw Maya Hawk yeah. have a, a big role because I saw her in Fear Street. Um, but, like, you know, she's right. the first girl. So, um and I never saw Stranger Things. And I thought Same. the cast was very, very strong. The only thing, and we talked about this, but uh, like there are so many tropes from those 90s, early 2000s teen movies that um, I was like, well, we have no tropes. Like right. what is left? It's like, yeah. I mean, not what is left. There's a lot. But why can't people make new tropes? And... For that, I was like, okay, the references were like dominoes, like one after the other. Yeah. The the thing is, is I feel like, well, obviously, you know, this is inspired by Strangers on a Train, the convention of, you know, doing each other's revenge. But, you know, the story has its yeah. own flair and, and commentary and whatnot to it that I think that this story like really stands out mm-hmm. on its own. Definitely. Without the references that I understand like what they were going with by including so many references as sort of like a love letter to that era of teen movies, especially because for years everyone's been saying like, oh, why don't they make movies like that anymore? Why don't we have movies like that anymore? Which we say all the time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, (laughs) I do think that the movie sometimes would get bogged down by all of these references, especially how many visual references there are. Like it's almost every Mm -hmm. second frame we're referencing something. And I think that if the references were used a little more discerningly, then they would have had a much stronger impact rather than like just shoving in as many as we could, because that just like makes it seem like maybe the movie can't stand on its own without them. Or maybe it's trying to cash in on like nostalgia core Mm -hmm. that I, I feel like it gives people license to maybe 
discredit this movie when it actually is like quite good and it's really funny and it right. has like a really engaging story too and that twist i thought was so well done and so delightful uh, i know yeah so i just wish that they had maybe sacrificed some here and there and really just kept the significant mm-hmm. ones yeah i definitely agree with that read and you mentioned with the story being very strong and i think too like intertwining those um socially relevant things Mm -hmm. that feel more akin to teenagers experiences now than when we were in high school is really cool but with that kind of just i don't know what the new tropes are like like right now it just feels like in 20 years we're gonna reference what we were referencing 20 years ago like well i mean that is the thing with the 20 year cycle you know we're always looking back 20 years so maybe it's just me being bitter in in 2040 we're gonna be looking back at 2020 sure yeah yeah i guess it's just me being bitter too if like um just there's so many superhero movies it feels like superhero mm-hmm. movies are just like all people want to see and sequels and uh trilogies and it's just like why can't we make something like in the rom-com you know comedy genre of that teen movie like why can't we make something like fresh like just really new yeah but i mean even if we look back to the 90s some of the most popular teen movies were remakes of shakespearean classics that's true that's true so I think it's I think it's very possible to do a remake and make it feel fresh and make it feel exciting and new. And I think that this movie does achieve that, especially when you look at something like He's All That, the remake of She's All That that they did with Addison Ray, which clearly I haven't that seen was it. Bad. But you yeah, know, from what it. I've heard, <laughs> mm-hmm. that did not achieve what this movie and the teen movies of the nineties did. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'd love to see a, a Shakespeare remake well the sydney sweeney glenn powell movie is coming <gasps> at us this year Oy vey. <laughs> the one we've all been anticipating and waiting mm-hmm. for yeah it's a it's a much ado about nothing um oh shit adaptation so i'm excited we'll we'll see how that goes but mm-hmm. yeah i also do want to really give credit to this movie with its understanding of gen z because mm-hmm. i feel like so many movies like use all that like kissing booth etc just have such a fundamental misunderstanding of this generation of teenagers and i feel like this one really hit the nail on the head yeah no i I really liked it i think the writing was strong i think Mm -hmm. that jennifer robinson did a great job writing it and directing she wrote and directed it yeah and she co-wrote it with celeste ballard Mm -hmm. um and celeste ballard they did a great job Alana Morsehead costume design. I think um, mm-hmm. it really came together very well. The biggest drawback for me was just the heavy handedness of references, but yeah. altogether a very solid movie that I feel like is going to be in that canon of like two, 2010s to 20s era teen movies. And I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see more. I hope that she Mm -hmm. does another one. Um, Yeah. That would be really awesome. Definitely. And I feel like this movie was especially good for a Netflix original, which is so hit or miss. And this one, this one really did hit. And I think that's why it was so popular. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't even like a, 
you know, like a, an Emily in Paris kind of thing where it's like, oh, it's so <laughs> bad, but I got to watch it. You know, it was really well received. Right. And I do think it, it sets the tone for this 2020s era of of teen films, of rom-coms, of what we have to come, something that's a little bit more of like a black comedy, mm-hmm. um, which is very much in keeping with the Gen Z style of humor, which is a lot darker than like millennials, right. you know? So... Yeah, it's just interesting to see where the genre has gone. And and I do think it makes a lot of sense for it to have so many like 2000s, 90s references because that is what so much of like Gen Z just fashion in general is referencing. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to see like a version of Girls that is yeah, but teen and in a movie, you know? <laughs> Cuz the Girls, I don't know, maybe it's just because we were in the same age when mm-hmm. we were watching it. But, like, it just felt w- – say what you want about Lena Dunham. It was very well written. Uh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious what – Um, I guess – well, I guess Sex Lives of College Girls is kind of that mm-hmm. – this generation's version of that. We have, like, a, um, a group of four girls, young, on their own for the first time, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're in college, but, you know, figuring yeah. it out. And I, I really enjoy that. I, like, I really I like show. Never Have I Ever mm, for, like, yeah. a modern teen uh, series. Definitely. Yeah. Some of the dialogue can be, like, a little dicey, but <laughs> overall I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess, what should we rate it? Oh, my gosh. I feel like I want to give it, like, a really solid 8. I, I would say an 8, even an 8.5 for yeah. me. Yeah, even 8.5 for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, especially on the second watch as well, too. So definitely recommend it. Uh, it's on Netflix, wherever you are in the world. Yeah. And with that being said, if you're interested in the Bend It Like Beckham episode, definitely go check that out. We also did Hairspray for May. And we're just looking forward to season four, y'all. Yeah, definitely. So hit up our Patreon if you're interested. Also, if you want a little more extra content from us, find out what movie we're doing ahead of time. You can always follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can also follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod, or you can always send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for another movie. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.